DadPod Games Cast, a show where two and sometimes three dads get together and talk about games, stuff adjacent to games, dad stuff, and or just trying to do this hobby while getting older and having less time. I'm one of your trio of hosts, Joe Owens, and as always, to my right, your virtual left, Eddie Rathke. Howdy. And again, part two of the DadPod book cast, uh, which, uh, you know, we've got some tentative titles for what we would like to call it when we jump over to you know malazan book of the fallen uh later uh but this is part two of house of leaves the book bum 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 yeah i man like it's weird uh i i think some of uh the way that uh you know my like emotional knee-jerk reaction to things uh is very very linked uh to my adhd and so, you know, when we had our, like, I'd already started reading House of Leaves because we'd already talked about doing this. And then I got super excited because yeah. we both agreed to do the Malazan podcast. I'm like, all right, well, maybe I just ditch House of Leaves uh, because I love Malazan <laughs> so much. Uh, but then uh, as I've been reading this book, uh, I've just been really into it again. Like, uh, yeah, it's been sort of like cons- consuming my thoughts. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, like I've been, you know, I pay attention to, you know, the Twitter sphere and whatnot, just people like, you know, usually it's like games industry stuff, uh, and people like posting all the games they finished. And, uh, I've actually only finished one game this year, uh, and I finished it yesterday, which is, uh, Yakuza 3 Remastered, uh, which I think I've, I've said on here and to you multiple times is absolutely the most dad pod games cast Yakuza of them all so (laughs) far. Uh Um, and but like everybody's finishing all these games and stuff and like you know they're like i finished like six games already and i'm like uh i don't know man i'm like really into house of leaves right now um yeah and also i i'm just gonna be honest i realized also what's happening with the games is i'm I'm really just waiting till tomorrow when yakuza 8 slash like a dragon 8 (laughs) infinite wealth comes out because have you ever done that like when you're anticipating a thing you can't really do any other things like you're like this thing that i want to do is right around the corner i don't want to get too involved in something new uh oh yeah for sure um but i'm gonna have us actually pause my i feel like my recording according to audacity is like coming in crazy low okay oh you might be on the my uh the record the mic on your laptop yeah, even though I I did just switch it, but it's possible that that's what's going on. So yeah, let's let's uh, uh, let's, let's let's hit the pause, and uh, we will be back uh, bef- before you know it, literally uh, in in, yeah. in a minute. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, yeah, a little technical snafu, but I think we're good now. Yes. Um, in that amount of time, I was just thinking about uh, uh, yeah, how excited I am for new Yakuza. Uh, Love the uh, series quite a bit. Can't wait to get Eddie and anyone else uh, out there into the series who has not uh, yet played it because uh, I like it so much. Um, but yeah, House of Leaves, that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I don't even know how to really uh, summarize this. Um, do, do you want to try to give it a shot? Because I have lots of notes, but it's uh, done in a way that sort of goes off on tangents similar to like the footnotes. And I realized I, d- I don't have a good uh, summary to uh, bring the reader along with uh, at the beginning here. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think what I'll do is try to do sort of a, a bare bones summary because yeah. um, 
there's not really a way to properly summarize something like this. Right. Um, I mean, the best way for me would be almost to have a visual aid and just be like, look at the way that it looks right now. Right. Like, look at the way the page looks right now. Um, that's what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So at the where we were last time, we stopped at the precipice of chapter nine, um, which is when we really enter the massive labyrinth. Right. And we do it first from the perspective of Holloway and those guys. Yeah. So we uh, we heard someone tapping SOS is kind of where we left off. Um, now we're going to find out what has happened inside the, uh, you know, the house, inside the house within the house, the, the tunnel and the, the labyrinth. Right. And it is... It's wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's um, there's no other way to describe it other than uh, just uh, well, madness. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's a very uh, like low key, high key under underpinning theme of the uh, of the entire book. Yeah, and structurally, um, you know, the book the pages begin to look absurd. Like there will be three different streams of text on a page at the same time talking about something completely different than the main like text of what you're reading. Right. Like even the, the way the chapter begins, um, it leads you to a footnote, which leads you to a footnote. That's like five pages ahead of where you are. Right. That then leads you. So it's like, uh, the first footnote in chapter nine is number one twenty. Yes. Um, but that leads you to like one twenty nine, I believe which is several pages later. And then that leads you to like 135, which leads you back to like 127. Yeah. And uh, there's, so a, there's of, a lot of recursiveness uh, in, in the text and footnotes. Yeah. And uh, you're just kind of jumping all over the place. And the book, the chapter also begins, even though it, the Navidson part of the chapter begins with Holloway. Uh, the chapter itself begins with a long digression um, with Johnny Truant, where he, um, has a sexual encounter with a uh, some lady named Tatiana. Yep, and that's that's, uh, that's, um, that's 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 how it starts. That's how we that's how we jump back in. Yeah, and then there are also uh, lots and lots of text that's in red mm-hmm. that is crossed out. Yeah, um, throughout this chapter. Yeah, which uh, is the uh, related to King Minus the Minotaur and the uh, Labyrinth uh, in Crete. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess I can just spoil that now. Near the end of where we are in the... Because we, we read through chapter 13. Yes. And in chapter 13, Johnny Truant makes the comment in a footnote that uh, Zampano seemed to be trying to erase any mention of the Minotaur from the Navidson report. Right. And he... So he basically removed the uh, whiteout from the text. Yeah, by using like acetone and a couple other things, he got a lot of it back yeah so he he revealed the stuff so like that's even another part of this is like uh Zampano wrote this book that is maybe about something that doesn't exist then he's and johnny trunt is reconstructing it yeah and he's even bringing back things that Zampano chose to remove from the book which you know is uh 
it, it's almost like the opposite of what an editor is supposed to do. Right. He's uh, that's yeah. I, I kind of made a note. It's like he's reverse editing in some ways. Like yeah. he's, uh, I mean, it's not unheard of for uh, text to be restored. Uh, you know, right. But usually that's in a much different case than this. Like not something that the author was like legit saying, hey, this actually, no, you know what? I don't want to put this in here. This needs to be gone. Usually the editor's like, uh, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll scratch that. Because a lot of editors and editing is about word economy and uh, getting it down right. to just the words that matter. Uh, and this is, you know, like like you just said, like is like the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back to the the Navinson report proper. Um, we're following Holloway, Jed, and Wax as they basically make their way down the stairway, which takes several days. Yes. Um, so I believe the expedition was meant to be four days, and they don't even reach the bottom of the steps until the fourth day. Right. Um, they're leaving neon signs to kind of mark their way, and they're also leaving uh, food supplies and water supplies yeah. sort of as a way to unburden themselves um of the weight but also as like okay when we get back we'll pick this up and this will be what we need to get us to you know yeah the, the rations it'll help it'll help them get you know not only is it breadcrumbs like hansel and gretel but it's also yeah supplying them because uh you know at some point they realize i'm sure on the fourth day when they're still like on the stairs they're like this is going to take a lot longer than we anticipated yeah and despite their goal for this expedition just to get to the bottom of the stairs Getting to the bottom of the stairs is not enough for Holloway. Right. Um, so Holloway decides that they need to explore further. And he begins to act sort of irrationally. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he breaks through a wall at one point And uh, he's basically just kind of like running around doing stuff. Yeah. And um, at a certain point, I think like t- a, like a whole day later, Jed and Wax decide that you know this is enough we need to go back yeah they're 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 uh they i think they also realize that that, you know that who knows how much deeper it can be and they're definitely going to run out of supplies like even the stuff they've left uh you know uh, sporadically on their journey down is not going to be enough if they don't turn around yeah and um you know they hear growling again and things like that which uh Holloway seems to be excited by this prospect. Yeah, yeah, because and, I think he thinks there's, you know, so, there's something to be hunted, uh, potentially. Yeah, so what Zampano kind of reads into all of this is that, and the extra text that he cites that may or may not exist, is basically that Holloway, you know, kind of like needs something to be there more than just, a, you know, in a giant hallway to, or a giant stairway to nothing. Right. Um, and so he's looking for that something and he doesn't find it. And when Jed and Wax decide to go back, he turns on them first, just like verbally, but mm-hmm. then violently. Yeah. And uh, he begins shooting at them. Yeah. Um, and he, he hits, he hits Wax. Yeah. In like the shoulder. Yeah. And so now Jed is dragging Wax up the stairs, basically running from Holloway, their friend and leader. Right. Um, who keeps shooting at them. Yeah. Um, and then he, Jed and Wax basically hide because, you know, it's pitch black. It's yeah. it's a labyrinth. It's not impossible to hide here. Yeah. I mean, and there's like doors too, uh, you know, doors and yep. corridors and doors and corridors leading off of doors and corridors. Yeah. And uh, Jed, you know, kind of completely 
well so he's just kind of keeps going and then uh holloway disappears into the darkness so he kind of races up the stairs after them but then just goes off into the darkness down a corridor uh, with his gun following a growl and he doesn't bring um like a wire like he's no longer holding yeah. one of the fishing wires the fishing, he's yeah just, the fishing line is just uh is just ignored at this point yeah so he's going untethered into the darkness and that's that um jed keeps you know trying to pull wax along wax is uh struggling he got shot he's he's in, he's in rough shape yeah he, uh i don't remember if he's going to i think he's like almost immediately going into like shock and so it's yeah. really you know reliance upon jed to get him out of there yeah and it's you know it's worth remembering again that it's like 20 degrees in there yeah it's super cold like Cold. and it's like <laughs> and, the, I, I've, and like, i feel like they've mentioned like the air is like just like dead like it's not moving there's not like a breeze it's just uh yeah it's just cold and stale yep oh uh so i guess i forgot to mention um the thing that really drives holloway insane is they come to a pack that's been like ripped apart of their supplies yeah and there's no supplies left yeah so it looks like it's been mauled by an animal yeah. and that's when um holloway goes off into the darkness yeah and this so that's actually before he shoots them it is yeah uh, i'm and, sorry and, and no it's okay because i was thinking he so he i think he shoots wax because he like caught some movement or something and was thinking it was whatever he was hunting but i think he had kind of like accidentally come back the way that he had come without realizing because it was so dark it's so dark and he has no tether to where he started yeah you're right so uh he shoots at them several times but doesn't hit them yeah he does eventually hit he does eventually hit him yeah yeah but so let's 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 retract (laughs) he uh they come across a pack it has been ravaged by seemingly like an animal or something yeah Um, there's no supplies left and the neon signs that they've been leaving have also been like shredded so um holloway runs a little bit into the darkness wax and jet are like are you insane we're not following you in there. Like, we're going back. Right. And this is the point when he begins to lose it. Um, and he gets, you know, super pissed. And uh, he does shoot at them. And he misses. Wait, does he shoot at them yet? Yeah, he did. I, I'm here. It's like, so the, the, the way that I read it was he shot and he accidentally hit him and he came back and then he realized he'd shot them. Uh, and he goes off again and then he's like i think he's thinking i can't leave now they're gonna leave and i'm gonna be in trouble because i shot them i i can't now i have to like you know he's like very clearly not in the right frame of mind uh in the darkness it has uh it has got him so he goes back to like i think he goes back to kill them because he's like well i can't leave witnesses Uh, okay you're right so he doesn't shoot them yet but he goes off into the darkness and they're you know they wait for him and while they're waiting they wait a very long time and uh then a shot rings out and it hits wax yeah and then holloway comes running out of the darkness because he thought that he shot the beast yes and instead it's wax and then yeah okay so sorry about that uh (laughs) that confusion (laughs) it's all right because i think it's meant to be disorienting also because keep in mind uh listener that like when you're reading this there's like lots of times where you'll be reading uh, what is, I don't know, you, whatever you consider the main thread, but then it will go off on like pages and pages long tangents with uh, yeah. uh, extracurricular footnotes and endnotes and appendices adventures. 
Uh, and, and Johnny she, Truant short stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, as you can tell, even trying to recount it here, uh, you know, you sort of like lose track because so much of the story as well as the house, like, you know, curves back in on itself. Uh, and so I think yeah. I, I'm, I, I would be hard pressed to uh, be convinced otherwise that it wasn't intentional. Uh, yeah. We're supposed to be and disoriented like, just like the people who are exploring the labyrinth. Yeah. And the, the extra text starts kind of cramping from the outsides, pushing inward the main text yeah. of the uh, Navitson report, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like textually highlighting the claustrophobia that they're feeling and like the darkness and, you know, madness closing right. in. Um, and so, yeah, so Holloway shoots wax there. Uh, Jed is like, we need to, you know, get out of here. So yeah. to save our friend. And that's when Holloway begins to really lose it. Cause he's like, no, I can't go back because then I'll be in jail. And that's, you know, I can't go to jail. Right. Yeah. He's, um, he, he's not, he's not interested in that at all. Yeah. And Jed's like, what are you talking? Like who, first of all, we won't like press charges or whatever, you know, like all this stuff. He's like, but I need help dragging our friend, you know, the miles up the staircase. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I wrote down, uh, how long, how far, how far, uh, I think, I think it was it's 13 miles. Yeah. 13 miles. Yeah. 13 miles down. That's how long that's how 13 miles on stairs. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, so far down into the earth. Yeah. It's farther than anything, you know, twice as deep as the Mariana Trench. Yes. Like it's, it's, so, it's really hard to put in perspective, uh, how large this interior, you know, liminal space is. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's real big. <laughs> it's real big. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so Holloway, once he sees Jed trying to start, you know, carry wax up, he's like, oh, you know, they can't escape because then I'll be a, you know, I'll be a murderer. Right. And so he decides to kill them. Yeah. He, they, because you know, that's what his brain is telling him is the rational choice at this point. Yeah. And so, uh, Jed is now carrying wax up and, uh, wax is going into shock and they're running from, well, he is running from his life from, uh, Holloway, his friend and, you know, companion for many years. Yeah. And, uh, he never leaves Wax behind. He carries him the whole way. Um, eventually, they kind of escape Holloway, and Holloway runs off again into the darkness. Yeah. And they are just kind of, uh, you know, trying to survive in the darkness. They're also lost now because they've run off the stairway into the darkness, not keeping track of where they're going because they're, you know, fleeing for their lives. Right. Um, and at one, at some point, uh, this is when Holloway, or sorry, not Holloway jed starts knocking on a wall yep and it doesn't sound like an sos like the rhythm is different yeah he's just like he's just like knocking right um but the house is doing something to the sound to make it sound like an sos inside right the actual house yeah um so that is which the people outside do ultimately hear at some point right yeah um and then so we go to navidson reston and Tom going inside to inside the labyrinth. Right. Um, and the labyrinth is different in scale. Yeah. Uh, cause they're like, it's, we got to rescue them. Uh, yeah. Karen is, you know, not about this at all. And, and she's told, you know, uh, Navitson that if you, if you go, if you ever go in there, I'm leaving, uh, that has been planted from, uh, the very first step, uh, you know, from our first episode. And, uh, he's like, I think he's been still, regardless of that, looking for an excuse to go in. 
uh, and now yeah. and now they're they're going in the three of them. Yep, and you know it kind of uh, you know the the macho sort of rivalry he had with Holloway. Now you know now he's literally going in there to save him. So there's no way that he doesn't win in the uh, the man off. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's he's extremely uh, much more manly at this point because he's going to be rescuing the guy that needs rescuing. Yeah, and so where chapter nine is incredibly dense, and there are there's just you're almost overwhelmed by all the information on the page and like the layout. Chapter ten becomes very different. Yeah, um, it's like the a lot of the notes fall away, and even you know there there are pages where there's only one or two words on it. Yep, um, which and is you no uh, longer re- really cool by de- by design. Yeah, and you really no longer come across a page that is full of text outside of a Johnny Truant footnote, which goes on for a few pages. Yeah, it's it's cool um, because when... So ultimately, they decide to go down the stairs, and Tom is going to be the one that stays at the top, and Reston, who we remember is in a wheelchair, is going to go down. Um, and so yeah. uh, the way that they sort of marcate... Uh, the way that he demarcates the, the, the trip down is... Uh, almost in like levels on the page like the text starts at the top and then it starts going down and like when they're in like the middle they're in the middle of the page and then we get to the bottom uh which is not 13 miles any longer it's about 100 feet uh yeah they uh that's at the bottom of the page which is really cool um and then and when there's interaction between the top you know where tom is at and the bottom like tom's stuff is uh, you know his dialogue and whatnot is at the top of the page uh followed by a lot of white space and then on the previous previous page uh if they're talking to Navidson, there's a lot of white space with his text at the bottom which is really uh doing a lot it does a lot for me i like that yeah same um and so they are you know running through well not running but you know they're marking their way through this labyrinth and it is taking you know several days um and eventually uh they find basically a, they they start hearing someone kind of like crying out. Yeah, this is Navidson and Reston. Yeah, I feel like and they Reston, heard some remember, is in crying, a wheelchair, crying and moaning. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Reston is still in his wheelchair. Yep, and so they start following that. They find these like weird sequences of doors, mm-hmm. um, and they eventually, basically, they come and they find Jed, and Wax is looking real rough because he has now been shot like three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, he, he was shot in the chest, you know, so, yeah. um, not like in the heart, obviously, because he would be dead, but it, it was a yeah. non-fatal, but, uh, really not great place to get hit. Yeah. I, I kind of pictured it, um, sort of like in his shoulder. Yeah. That's where I was, that's you know? where I was thinking too, at least in, I, in, in my imaginings. Yeah. Cause he, he doesn't, if he got hit in the lung, he'd be dead. Yeah. And you know, the heart, of course he'd yeah. also be dead. Or the liver. Um, uh, right. I learned that from, um, uh, from the jackal. Uh, uh, do you remember, I don't know if you remember that movie. Uh, I do. The assassin. Kind of. I mean, I remember seeing it. He uh, one assassin hits another later, and uh, there's black blood, and it's like got hit in the liver. He only got a little bit to live, uh, and it's very, uh, very clinical. Um, and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Well, learned something that I'm never going to forget because of how horrifying it sounds. Uh, but uh, all right, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, they they find Wax and Jed. And then, um, in the distance, there's another, it sounds like a gunshot. Yeah. But is apparently one of the doors closing. Yeah. And like, so slamming shut. Yeah. 
and this draws their attention up away from wax into the distance where they can kind of see a figure yeah and because it's dark they they only have the only light they have is the the light they bring right i mean they're probably glow sticks and like lantern the flashlights and you know they probably they don't have a lot of light but they can kind of make out stuff in the distance yeah and so um you know they also find out that holloway shot wax of course yeah but so the doors start slamming really quickly and it sounds like gunshots yeah and then they see this figure in the distance and they as joe just said are holding lights yeah um which uh if you're in pure darkness and you see a light like a big old target yep absolutely (laughs) like i mean uh they're they're uh they're noticing uh they're they're noticeable sorry they're noticeable to whoever is uh at the other end of the of the of the hall of that particular hallway corridor yeah and uh what happens basically is another shot rings out Mm -hmm. this one's not a door and it is a bullet that goes through jed's head and uh, what's really crazy is like that part in the book too he's like talking i think isn't he talking yeah uh, right as he gets hit in the head uh yeah and uh that was that w- it's like it's weird how like text can uh like hit you quickly like that uh right. because this book is real good at sort of like lulling you into a like a flow of reading it even in these scenarios where they're like adventuring and it's tense it's still sort of a flow and then this abrupt thing happens where jed gets shot uh, and it's it's uh, I, I think is just as effective as if it had happened in a film, does, does, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, and then, so I actually might just read a short bit. Um, yeah, so ba- yeah, we so haven't done that too much. Is, we haven't done that too much yet. So I think we're uh, yeah. we're due. Yeah. So chapter nine is incredibly dense on the page, like we said. You know, there's there's basically several uh, groups of text per page that yeah. are really like crowding in. So yeah. so reading a single page. Uh, takes longer than normal. Yeah, super. It, it it did. Chapter nine, I felt like, took me longer than any other chapter to read up to this point. Yeah, and part of it is because you're also, like, moving the book around. Like, you're reorienting how you have to look at the page because text is coming in from the side where, you know, the right side of your book is the top of that text, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's like, you know, the text has been turned 90 degrees, so you have to turn your book 90 degrees yes. to read it. yeah. Or and, you know maybe you're you're some kind of freak who can read it other anyway. Yeah, and, the, and, and there's other there's other text that is backwards, which this and is upside the one, down. Yeah, that we talked about where you hold it up to a mirror and you can read it, but it also yeah. is mirrored on the previous page. Like it's the text has like bled through to the other side almost, and you're seeing the yeah. back, the back of the letters, uh, yeah, which is very like, cool. It's very cool. Yeah, it's if I don't know if if you just look at these pages, uh, it's 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 hard to describe yeah i really it's very interesting i really want people to go read this book because i just i love it so much but uh i want to get to this part where you're gonna you're gonna read some 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 words to us so this is i mean i just kind of picked this almost at random so uh it's page 216 we're at the bottom of the page after you know 80 percent of the page is just white blank space yeah um and then so this is page 216 i'll tell you what page i stop at and it isn't going to be farther away than you think <laughs> yeah so it says then just as the strobe captures him lifting the weapon presumably now aiming at the blinding flash we hear a series of sharp cracks neither De- neither neither navidson nor reston have any idea where these sounds are coming from though gratefully the stills reveal what is happening all those doors behind the man 
are slamming shut. The house, yeah. Half, I was just going to say the house after, reacts. This is the house reacting to the gunshot. Yeah. Sorry, so I, I will not interrupt after, again. Okay. One after another after another, which does not prevent the figure from firing. Ah, shit, Reston shouts. But Navidson keeps his Nikon steady and focused, the motor chewing up a whole roll of film as the flash angrily slashes out at the prevailing darkness, ultimately capturing this dark form, vanishing behind a closing door. Even though, even though a hole the size of a fist punches through the muntin, the round powerful enough to propel the bullet into the second door, though not powerful enough to do more than splinter a panel... Before this damage, along with even the sound from the blast, disappears behind the door of a more of more slamming doors, the last one finally hammering shut, leaving the room saturated in silence. I'm now at page two thirty eight. It's so wild. Like, <laughs> so like I, we, I just, I, we, do you think maybe for the, uh, or at least the stub Substack page, we could take a couple pictures of some of these pages doing interesting things and post it or is yeah, that, is that, that. Is that going to be too too much of a pain no that's, because we can do that i just think that for the for the listener to kind of visualize what we're talking about like uh is really cool um i i i don't even i don't even really know how to like explain it uh other than like you just you just have to like 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 Hunter Thompson said, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like that's the only really yeah. that's really the only way you can you can do this because uh, you have to trust that the author is going to take you, uh, even if you don't fully comprehend what's going on at the time. That like you will. Uh, and man, it's just this was so good. Like I love this part. Yeah. Um, so Jed has now been shot. Yeah. <clears throat> and presumably fatally. Um, yeah. And and they know that, but they still they carry him out anyway. Yeah. Um, and now they're also running from Holloway. Yep. Um, so th- that part that I read is after Jed gets shot. So that, you know, he's still shooting at them through the slamming doors. Yeah. For uh, for what it's worth, also, uh, unbeknownst to everyone else, Reston has brought a gun himself and is firing back. That's right. Uh, and he's like, you know, he, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't going to come down here knowing that. Uh, who knows what is happening? Uh, folks are in danger. Yeah. Uh, but may- that either- part's actually surprisingly funny in a book that doesn't have a lot of funny parts yeah because um, navidson turns to me he's like you brought a gun and didn't tell me and he goes well it's scary down here yeah and <laughs> this is the thing okay so i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times i don't know about when like you're nervous but like I, like sometimes you crack jokes when you're nervous right yeah and i think that that nervous humor is one million percent believable and appropriate in this situation yeah um, and then so the next chapter again is textually different um, on the page. And now we move to Tom. But along... So now the the text is like in two columns, almost like a, like a newspaper. Right. Um, and first, before we get to Tom, there's a sort of long digression into um, Esau and Isaac. Yes. The sons of Jacob. Yep. Um. And this is because um, there have been comparisons made in, you know, the, Fiction, the extra literature. The fictional yeah. scholarly research. Yeah, that kind of compares uh, Nat, Will and Tom to Esau and uh, Isaac. Um, but then we get to Tom's story, which is basically a transcript of what he's been doing. 
at the outpost uh while at at the top of the stairs and he's there to be kind of like a radio daisy chain yes almost back to the main house where karen is in the living room yeah because that that part of the chain between tom and karen never gets broken uh that i can recall there's some i think there's some static like toward the end when the house is reacting to the gunshots i think that there's uh, some interference there but for the most part they're able to communicate almost the whole time where tom is not always able to communicate with uh reston and navidson at the bottom Yep, and especially during this point of, like, high tension, Tom has no idea what's going on. Um, But, so we get a transcript of what Tom's been doing, and uh, he hates being inside there. Yeah. Um, And he, I think, is the first to really notice how the house is... uh, Well, I guess he's not the first to notice. So something that um, Jed, Wax, uh, notice while they're on their expedition yeah is that like their shoes become to de- begin to de- deteriorate yeah they're like packs begin to deteriorate and i believe it's jed who says like uh it's as if when you stop thinking about something it starts to go away yeah this is super important i was going to mention because yeah. navitson also when they start like looking at the neon markers that are all shredded that yeah turns out they actually don't appear sh- they, they appear shredded at a distance but when you get up close it looks like they're like deteriorating as if from like age and so when he sees these neon markers in the fishing line, he says, like, you know, stuff that is not like stuff that's out of sight, out of mind, you know, stuff that you leave behind can last at most six days before the house consumes them. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of like wondering about like for me, like I started wondering about a whole bunch of stuff like uh, when you have kids, you learn about this thing called object permanence which is where yep. uh, like kids like remember an object when it, it goes away uh, and it's not like in their sight. Uh, and, you know, they know that it's still there. Like if you hide something behind your back, they know that you have the object, that kind of thing. Um, and so then it also got me thinking about like, I don't know, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, like, <laughs> right. Like when they're trying, like you're trying to like measure like electrons and like their positions, how the fact of measuring it changes it. Um, and you start thinking about this underlying idea of perception like your perception of the house and your perception of the environment like changes it. It like changes to the person uh, or people who are, who are there almost, which is why they kind of hypothesize that uh, the, the whole, the staircase was only a hundred feet because Navitson knew there was a bottom. Like when they went down the first time, they didn't know how deep it was. So the house could theoretically go on forever. It could be more than 13 miles. Uh, something must have happened in their cognition, I think, to, um, you know, finally reach the bottom, uh, be convinced that there was a bottom. Yeah. And so it's kind of like your interiority impacts the interiority of the house. Right. Um, which is, yeah, it, it it's an important part. And it's um, awesome. But so, yeah. But so Tom independently realizes this is happening because when he like takes a shit or pisses, yeah. uh, when he goes back to take a shit or piss later, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. The house just eats it. And he's like having a, a monologue that's a fake monologue, fake dialogue. It's somewhere in between uh, yeah. with uh, Mr. Mr. Monster. Monster. Yep. He's like constantly <laughs> talking about Mr. Monster. I know you're out there. Uh, are you out there? And, you know, he just keeps doing this thing. But he, it's it's very, I don't know. His transcript is really good. Uh, yeah, and there's w- lots of um, jokes that he basically just tells himself yeah and once again daniel lewski uh masterfully has changed the narrative voice in in a, in a perfectly believable way uh you yeah. know we've talked about you know 
Johnny's mom and Johnny and uh, I don't know the academic uh, narrator that would be Zampano's writing because um, I don't imagine he talked like that in real life. So that's his like author voice. Uh, it, it, it's it's yet another one that's just like like so well done. Like because we get a good chunk here of of Tom and his talking to himself basically. Yeah, and a lot of this chapter is part of this chapter is also a discussion of how everyone who meets Tom just really likes him. Yeah, he's very even affable. though he, yeah, even though he's kind of a loser. He's like he's an alcoholic. He has never really held down a long term job or long term relationship. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but, in you know, in many twin. ways the opposite of his twin. Yeah. The, yeah, he's twins with Will Navidson, who is a uh, you know Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist. Yeah. Um, who is also you know uh, Tom's kind of like big and fat and Will is a uh, you know in shape and handsome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you, you know, they probably like look the same. So it's almost like a, a sort of like a I don't know, like a almost in a, the year of twenty twenty four, like the memified version of the real thing. Uh, you know, that would be like what Tom would be to to, to Navidson. Yeah. Um. And then uh, there's a really long digression about that Johnny Truant has basically about like having sex. And um, I'm trying to, I felt like at the time when I read it, that it was put at the perfect point because it, yeah. it's a weird, like uh, counterweight yeah. to what's happening with Tom. But I, well, cause his earlier digression, which is like when like anxiety things are happening, it's about his anxiety being really bad and about how he starts fearing taking the pills. That's like his first digression. And then his second mm-hmm. digression here is about like conquest between, you know, his, his conquest and Lude's conquest. Uh, mm, and, right. And one of the notes I made, I just wanted to bring this up while you were talking about it, is like how sex is often used in this book as like a means of erasure, like throughout the book. Ah. Uh, I mean, that's my opinion on it. I could be misreading it, but it seems like it's always there to like take the focus off of something, which is not right. uncommon for human beings to do, uh, especially people like this. You know, they're like, yeah, they're gonna like... I think you're absolutely right on that because you know he'll, even you know way back he'll be talking he'll like mention his mom and then he'll immediately start talking about like someone he had sex with. Yeah, because it's like it's too, it's painful, and I think he talks about it being painful at some point because I I wrote yeah. down I don't have it right in front of me because I got to scroll to get it, but like when he when the letters from his mom finally enter the story proper rather than just the, the when flip, he the, mentions it. You yeah. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he's like, I uh, got these beautiful letters from my mom. You know, he talks about that here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we've already read all the letters. Uh, so we already sort of know like what she's all about. And so he has trouble dealing with heavy topics, uh, unless it's about like his anxiety because like his anxiety is so out of control. He can't help, but like let it pour all out onto the page. Like, uh, right and then 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 it gets back into doing like whatever who knows you know how many days later and then the cycle continues uh him inserting these things when there's like heavy moments yep um yeah i think that's that's interesting i hadn't put that together but i think you are definitely right um but uh yeah back to tom's story so uh tom is just kind of hanging out and then he he gets basically the message from his brother that he's like you know we're running back and we need you know help yeah we need help uh this part yeah, is so, so good need... too man this part is so yeah. good oh the way it's done okay i'm just gonna let you go because i'm just i'm just re- reliving <laughs> it's so good yep and so he tells tom that he needs him to be at the bottom of the steps in like seven or eight hours or something like that because yeah. that's 
how long he thinks it'll take him to get back. Yeah. Um, so the next chapter once again kind of returns to the uh, the dichotomy of there's there's just a bunch of blank space on the page. Yeah. Um. And uh, so Navidson and Reston have made sort of like makeshift gurneys using the wheelchair and some of the supplies, and they're you know gurneying out two adult men. Right. Um, through the labyrinth. Um, and I mean, they're basically beelining it for, uh, the stairway, Mm -hmm. which takes, you know, however many hours it takes. But when they get there, Tom's not there because the reason Tom stayed at the top is because he literally could not go down initially. Um, like he just, he he couldn't force force himself to do it. Yeah. He took like two steps down and was just like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) And then again, when, uh, his brother tells him, that he needs to go down he he kind of like tries to go down and he just like physically can't yeah uh similar um, similar to uh karen earlier in the book uh not being yeah. able to go and even set foot in there when her daughter was like in there needed to be rescued like she just couldn't it's, yeah it's very similar with tom here yep and then so they get to the bottom of the steps tom isn't there and navidson says something really mean which is that he's like he's like tom will always let you down yeah and then almost as if to smack him in the face, yep. a rope descends from the top of the stairs. Yep. Um, because what Tom has done is he went back inside, uh, talked to Karen. They went into town, got supplies to basically make a pulley system. Yep. Um, and uh, so he first is they pulley up uh, Jed, I think, and you kind of want to you know you understand Tom's surprise when he realized that he realizes that he just pulled up a dead man yeah um and then wax who you know is not dead but is not looking good real bad um and then they get uh they begin to get Reston fashioned up to go up and the strangest thing happens is that uh as Reston goes up the uh stairway again expands but this time but real fast yeah, super fast. And rather than just leave Reston at the bottom, it, it it for some reason, it's like it grabs him and throws him straight up into the air. So I have a, a thought on this. I was Because I, I read this part a couple times. Um, it doesn't react until he, like, light, like, like, I don't know, cracks a glow stick or, or like, a flare or something that illuminates yeah. it. And so I'm wondering if the house is reacting because there's two separate perceptions of the house. This is me spitballing way down, uh, like way out of left field. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. But like he's halfway up. So the house has, you know, one perception, which is his because he can see. Uh, Like it seems to matter how much you can see in the house. Like if you can see more, you can perceive it better and then it changes. And then there's Navidson's perception, which is at the bottom, uh, uh, quickly going it, 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 it's it's very clear to, at least to me that it looks like the house is expanding in both directions uh yeah navidson is sinking where uh reston is he's going up uh and is now accelerating up like faster than the rope is pulling and it's kind of going two opposite directions at high speed yeah i think that's right and uh so i'll read just this brief sentence that begins on the bottom of page 286 and the final word is at the very top right of page 287, and it's upside down. Yeah. So it does. the sentence begins right side up and goes upside down for the very last word. It says, But if Navidson is no longer holding on to the rope, 
what could possibly be pulling Reston to the top? And that's a question mark. Yeah, the, the top, and top, top is upside. Mark, yeah, yeah, top. So top is its top question mark at the top right of page two eighty seven, and everything else is blank. And so it's upside down. So if you turn the book upside down to read it right side up, it's now at the bottom left of the page. Yep. Which is where and, we were reading uh, Navitson's part, uh, reading it normally. Yeah, which normally. Which sort of makes you questions like, uh, is Reston, fall, is he flying up or is he falling down? Yeah. Is he falling down up? Because yeah. it's almost like, it's that, almost from, like the speed of gravity that he's, that he's, that he's accelerating. Right. And so uh, it's interesting because then when you, the next few pages kind of shift between uh, perspectives and it's like the, the page on your left and the is uh, normal, yeah. right side up. And it's Navitson at the, the bottom and the text is at the bottom. Yep. And then on the, the page on the right is uh, upside down. Can, can I read this one? Uh, yeah. Two, eight, on 289. It says Navitson is sinking and sinking and, and Navitson starts at the bottom of the page, but it's upside down. So that if you flip it around, he's at the top. It says Navitson is sinking and sinking is like used. It's, it's like a stair step, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's, the, wor- the word itself is falling down. The yeah, page. the word is falling down, down up the page. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Navitson is sinking or the stairway is stretching, expanding. And the way that stretching and expanding are used here is really interesting. Stretching yeah. is vertical. So it goes up to the top left corner of 289 and expanding is going horizontally and they both share a G and I don't know if that's important or not, but they both meet at the same point, which is the G of the page. Yeah. I think we can assume it's important, but what it means is not, uh, it's up for interpretation. Yeah. We just know it's stretching and expanding meeting, so, well, meeting well, somewhere. And it's also, do we know that? Yeah. Well, do we know I mean, anything in this book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then the next yeah, page says so, dropping as it slips following page dragging rest in uh you know uh, these things are like it's it's constantly uh going back and forth as you as you flip the page the 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 text is describing things that are opposing each other yeah and then we come to another really long um johnny digression where we find out that he has he hasn't been fired from his job he just stopped going and then he shows up randomly after three weeks of not being there yeah and his boss is like what are you doing he's like oh, i'm just gonna you know go uh build some needles and he's like dude you haven't been here in like a month right yeah like it, we hired a replacement yeah like think like time has passed bro like uh i'm trying to i'm trying to find the the the, the thing uh where it said johnny says this is just a quote from him i didn't write what pages was on he's like yesterday seemed like the beginning of july but somehow today finds me midway through august uh yeah just more erasure uh you know yeah and at this point so he's basically stopped going to work but he also uh like collects all his cds and sells them because he is he's basically living in squalor at this point yeah it's just it's just him and the the navitson record in his apartment yeah and which he is compiling remember it's it's basically just a bunch of loose pages and uh at some points just like scraps of paper right um and he's putting it together and it's consuming him and uh, he he remembers this odd story, and um, about like a ship captain that goes. It's like a 
a very long sentence. The sentence stretches like four pages. Oh, can we just pause uh, one one thing real quick? This sure. this digression happens when the rope uh, when the rope snaps and Reston is ten right. feet from the top, and then the digression comes. Right. So we don't know, have no clue what happened to 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 Reston yet, but here Johnny's going to give us a story. Yeah, and that sentence is uh, like I said, it's like four pages. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's kind of it's, wild. It's also it's a story that he has been told. Yes. So it's not even like his story. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a wild, it's just a wild story about a ship called the atrocity that goes down. Um, and then I think it was a real life ship. I guess we could look that up, but I think it was real probably. Yeah. And this digression comes up because he remembers this girl, Ashley, who, uh, finally found, she's been looking for him. Yeah. She's been looking for Johnny for a while. And they they have sex, kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, they have sex, of. but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't finish. Is basically, and not because he didn't want to. And uh, she kind of goes on about you know how they met in uh in Texas in, te- in in Texas, and then at the end he's like, I've never been to Texas. But then he remembers this guy, this gay millionaire who went by Tex. Yeah. Um. And uh, that's the one who tells him this very long story. Yes, Tex to- tells him the story of the atrocity. Yeah, and then um, on the on the page after that, you find out that basically the amount of force needed to break this rope that they've been using is uh, six thousand to seven thousand pounds of force. Right, a lot. So, yeah, so it's like like two cars. I guess. That's, yeah, I mean, it's literally two like, two cars. Yeah, two cars of force <laughs> like um so it's significant but yeah um but basically so reston is at the top he he gets grabbed by tom but now uh uh navidson is ba- is at the bottom of essentially a bottomless pit yeah it, it, for all intents and purposes it, it must be uh because yeah. It takes uh, oh fifty minutes after Reston goes up, he a quarter comes down. That's how they had signaled the first oh, two yeah. people going up made it to the top. A qu- uh, Tom would drop a quarter down. Right. Yeah. And uh, the <laughs> there's like some kind of calculation done, but basically, well, he was using the speed the, of gravity, I think, just as yeah. a, just a quick and, quick estimate. Yeah, and it's like the the length is longer than the diameter of the earth yeah he's he he realizes he's somewhere between twenty seven thousand two hundred and seventy three to upwards of fifty four thousand five hundred and forty five miles from the top of the staircase fifty seven thousand <laughs> miles uh, that's how tall the staircase is now which i i think the moon is like 160 yeah, thousand miles he's halfway there away. he's just like halfway yeah. there <laughs> like, um and so Navidson is looking up in basically to impenetrable darkness. Yeah. Um, and the radio has gone dead. He only has a few days worth of batteries and uh, his film runs out shortly after this, leaving nothing else behind but an unremarkable white screen. Yeah. And the page is white. And then, There's a one full yeah. blank uh, white page, which I just think is great. Yeah. And then on page 312... There is a mostly blank page, except for a single black dot. Yep. Which means something. Yeah. But I mean, um, I, 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 it could be the uh, idea of like looking, uh, you know, like have you seen those pictures 
of like planets when you're like looking back at Earth from Pluto and it's just like a white dot, but like the inverse oh, when, sure. you're, when you're just trying to see uh, represent something's the the scale of distance. I don't know. I was kind of thinking of that. I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily the right answer, but I think something along those lines where you're trying to think of scale and distance and 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 how right. <laughs> how impossible uh, things will probably seem if you're fifty four thousand miles down somehow (laughs) yes and then so we pick up on uh chapter 13 which is subtitled the minotaur but that's crossed out yep because Um, everything relating to the minotaur and the labyrinths uh, is crossed out yeah and we switch perspectives to daisy and chad's teacher daisy and chad for those i don't even think we actually mentioned them in the the first time around yeah they're just navitson and karen's children yeah well not just but, i'm not trying to like minimize their yeah. existence but <laughs> yeah but you know their interaction with the story it seems limited and uh interestingly i think something we didn't talk about is how the house does not react to dogs right and cats yeah and did i think it doesn't react to children i can't remember if that's tested or not I th- well i think it does because if you remember there's that one part where daisy might oh, yeah. have said she wants to play hallways with Navitson uh right and she goes into the hallway yeah and so i think that it's i think it's humans that it reacts to somehow right um but anyway so their teacher has grown concerned for them because uh she basically finds that they've been drawing uh at like you know drawing time they're they're little kids they're in fourth grade and kindergarten yeah um they've basically just been drawing the whole page black yeah well it doesn't start that way it starts yeah. off as like a black rectangle uh, with like monsters around the edges and yeah. then successive drawings uh, that, that they did were lo- more black, fewer monsters until eventually it's just a full page of black, just solid black. Yeah. And um, uh, Chad, they describe it as he used like three crayons and a pencil yeah. to do the page, which, you know, it doesn't take that much crayon. It doesn't take like a whole pencil to right. black out a page. But but he had so to he, really really get it black. Yeah, he's like he's like scribbling like yeah. you know ferociously on the page. Um and so she she's been a teacher for a long time so she assumes that there's some kind of, you know, potential abuse happening. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to um their house. Yeah, she's like she, she decides to do a drop-in visit just a welfare check. Yeah. Uh, an unofficial welfare check yeah. and when she gets to the house she almost leaves because she's like this just looks like a nice house i don't know it's probably nothing because yeah, they also nothing. didn't go to it's monday and they didn't come to school this day um and then when she uh knocks on the door and she starts pounding on the door because no one is answering and then uh reston opens up the door yep who you know from her perspective is like who the hell is this guy yeah and he's like bloody like his hands are all jacked yeah. from the ordeal of getting out uh getting out of the hallway escaping the hallways yeah, and he basically <laughs> is like, can you help us? Yeah. And she looks inside and there's, you know, a dead man there's a dead and a dude. bleeding man. Yep. And then some other large man holding Karen. Yeah. Um, and uh, the kids are just like sitting on the, on the uh, stairway leading to the second floor. Yeah, they're almost like and, uh, dissociating at this point. Like, Yeah. And uh, so she... Um, she's not any help because she's just like freaking out yeah like she uh, she's in panic mode she goes she she's uh partially in shock partially uh, just completely freaking out yeah and she describes it as like going to a war zone yeah um and then from there 
so we we go to sort of a psychological study of Holloway. Yeah. And um, he, he has a history of like um, suicidal ideation, basically. It's um, Im- do you think and- it's important to note here that parts are not intentionally redacted, but as if something has been burned, but it was like not by ash, but yeah. like something else. I can't remember exactly the wording it used, but there's like, there's parts missing. You got to, it's basically fill in the blanks. Uh, and for the most part, you're able to. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's just like a letter is missing. Sometimes yeah. it's like a word uh, or a know. phrase. Yeah, or presumably like a whole paragraph. Oh yeah, um, I guess that's true which, because there's uh, it does it does sort of look like uh, parts have been like this was from one page and we're kind of just like putting it here because right. a bunch is missing. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, and so there and then there's some kind of comparison to um, between Holloway and Navitson because Navitson also has a history of suicidal ideation. Right. But the difference is that basically Holloway um uh you know it's kind of they, they treat it almost like going to the house he sort of like fell into the trap of suicide right whereas navitz like he has was always... predisposed uh in situations like this to go down that road yeah and i think in in a sense it's almost like a, it's described i think sort of like as a failure of holloway and a uh, a strength of navitzen care navitzen's character yeah because navitzen rather than giving in uh, continues fighting yeah it's it's and, i think it's super d- described that way because it keeps talking i think it more or less in that study brings up holloway's failures like when he went hunting with his dad but he shot a doe instead yeah. of a buck and his dad doesn't even say anything just like basically you screwed up and walks away from him like doesn't try to console him for this because it, it seems traumatic to holloway in the in the moment yeah. uh because you know i don't think he was prepared to kill an animal he thought he was but he wasn't um, yeah. And then he killed the wrong thing and then feels like a laughing stock. And it's almost like ever since this point has been trying to prove himself, prove, to, prove himself to others and to himself that he's not a failure and somehow less of a man. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll read something now. Uh, I was going to save it for later because I think it's. I'll read it now and we'll come back to it again later. Well, I mean, the book, um, the book does it. So why can't we, you know, like we're, we're yeah, we just curving back think- in on ourselves. I think it's a tremendously important part of the book. Um, so we get a little bit of it's from the, the Holloway tape. It begins on page 322 in a footnote, footnote 275, and it goes over into page 323. Um, so he kind of is talking about Holloway and he, he's at the bottom of the steps. He's kind of scared that Holloway's going to come out of nowhere and like shoot him, which is under, that's uh, understandable. Yeah, because I mean, he's at basically a bottomless pit. Yeah. He's fifty mi- fifty miles, fifty thousand miles down yeah. into the earth, somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then uh, he says, he's and he's kind of like has these you know fears and stuff that happen in the darkness, and then he says, uh, finally though, I began concentrating on Karen, on Chad and Daisy, on Tom and Billy. I thought about every time we'd go to a movie together or a game or whatever ten years ago, four months ago, twenty years ago. I remembered when I first met Karen, the way she moved, these perfect angles she'd make with her wrists, her beautiful long fingers. I remembered when Chad was born, all that kind of stuff, trying to recall those moments as as vividly as possible, in as much detail. Eventually, I went into this daze, and the hours began to melt away, felt like minutes. On the third night, I tried to take another step and found there wasn't one. I was in the great hall again. Um, And I'll just leave it there. Okay. But so it's, you know, he's climbing up he's he's all these miles into the earth 
and rather than just be like oh, i guess i'm dead he just starts climbing the steps yeah i mean what else are you gonna do though i mean you uh you have to make it like because not making a choice is making a choice at that point not making right. a choice to do something is giving up and so uh he just decides he's not going to give up yeah and i think it's very you know it's when he begins thinking about the people in his life and the people that he loves that uh he escapes yeah essentially this pla- this place is so like determined by uh emotion as well as like the 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 person's emotion like perception where the the the, the point where perception meets emotion it seems like is what affects the house the most yeah um and then right after that we jump into another uh johnny side quest which is (laughs) johnny side quest um, reminds me of johnny quest (laughs) yeah uh to to put it bluntly it's basically just his life is collapsing yeah like he he has no money He's not really doing anything. He's living by candlelight. There's no gas or electricity. All he has is the book. And he's, you know, falling deeper and deeper into the Navidson report. Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of that. Although uh, Lude does uh, pay him a visit. Oh, right. Uh, which yep. uh, he, he's like, you know, because like basically uh, his, his uh, Johnny's boss thought he was, uh, you know, having a, you know, like a smack binge, like he was just like on the heroin and uh, Johnny, or I'm sorry, Lude also was thinking that that was probably what was the case. So he shows up and then he's like, he instantly knew that that was not what was going on here. You know what I mean? Yeah. One, one and, thing. Uh, he... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so the one thing that I thought was interesting is the way he's describing his environment, uh, the squalid environment with all the papers and stuff everywhere. Uh, he talks about how like the center of his you know, floor is dominated by this big black trunk, which is a big black rectangle. Uh, and it made me think of the kids drawings of a big black rectangle. Um, it's like everything is attached to this, this gosh darn cursed object, this cursed, this cursed story. Yeah. And then, um, so we get the Holloway tape next, which is basically Holloway's final moments. And, um, he, it comes in a sequence of like 13, clips of various sizes yeah various lengths i mean and uh he believes that the monster's out there and he's kind of trying to fight it i guess you could say yeah but of course he he can't find it and rather than you know what tom does is deal with it in humor holloway deals with it in like machismo yeah but also like absolute pants shitting terror yeah like he's he's out of his mind scared at this point yeah and then um eventually he just shoots himself yeah um and the camera lingers uh, yeah. And they make a point of this is like it lingers for like over a minute. Yeah. And then the, and at first they were talking about how they were wondering if, you know, people were watching it when nothing was happening and saying, oh, did why did Nav- Navidson would is such a good editor? Why did he why did he leave this in? Is this a mistake? But then it like it lingers and then we we see yeah, something. We, we basically see Claws of Shadow take Holloway away. Yeah. It, it just he's uh, it's very quick, too. Isn't it a couple frames yeah. where it happens? Yeah, it's like it's it's insanely fast and yeah. sudden. Because um, I mean, you you got to think that you were talking twenty four frames a second for for video, and yeah, or maybe it's more for for high eight. I don't know, but like somewhere between twenty four and sixty frames. But it's gone in less than a second. It's gone in frames, uh, and then yeah. I think uh, the, the the tape stops, or at least the edit the edit comes in right after that. Yes, um, and then. Uh... Yeah, so then once everyone's out, except for uh, Navidson, you know, yeah. Karen, Reston, 
Tom and the kids, yeah. you know, days days are going by. Yeah, and, and Chad, Tom, like, won't, won't come in the house anymore. Like, there's, like, an yeah. incident where he hears uh, some noises, some mumbling, and then, like, you know, like, like, a, like a bang. Uh, which turns yeah. out, if you if you read later, there's, it's like more or less confirmed in a footnote uh, on page three thirty seven that he uh, I think he heard ne- like uh, the, uh, Holloway kill himself basically, and Chad's like yeah. not coming back in the house like ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so shortly after they get back in, uh, Reston goes back into the ho- the uh, the hallway. Yeah. But the hallway is way shorter now. Yeah. It's, it's shortened itself to ten feet. Well. Not yet, but yeah, but eventually. Oh, thirty then feet. Tom goes in like yeah, a, Tom goes Tom in. goes in like a day later, and yeah, now it's only ten feet deep. Yeah. Thirty and, feet, and then ten and feet, also, and then. Yeah, and they, so they essentially understand that Will Navidson is never coming back because yeah. he can't. Yeah, because um, there's no doors anymore either. It's just it's just a hallway yeah. with no doors now. Yeah, and so uh, Tom deals with this by basically going on a bender. Um, Reston deals with this uh i don't know doesn't i guess really i think he just kind of just keeps doing what he was doing like just sort of like manning the home base area he hasn't he doesn't like go anywhere uh he's not yeah like, uh, that's right he, he he just kind of keeps doing what he was doing uh yeah with the and, understanding and Karen... that oh go ahead uh, yeah and uh you know the kids have basically been abandoned the whole time that navidson's been in there Right. Because Karen has been at the outpost by the radio just waiting for like, you know, three days before everyone else comes through the door. Mm-hmm. And now she's waiting again for Navidson. Mm-hmm. Um, but slowly she kind of like disconnects from that and begins, you know, being a mother again. Right. Uh, to to some extent. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like she, the, some of the footnotes talk about how, and like the the uh the scholarly work talk about how this was like the thing that she needed to disconnect her life uh and her dependency from navidson right um which you know is interesting yeah uh, it's, it's not i don't think it's very convincing which is an interesting part of the book i think right where it's like uh um it, i think it kind of goes to show where it's like people uh project things onto people Yes. You know? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. A very, which is a, you know, a very human thing to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so they're kind of trying to, I don't know, do stuff, but she, she kind of wants to start packing and leaving. Right. And she gets the kids to start packing. Um, and this is when she especially has trouble getting Billy inside the house. Yeah. Oh, Chad, um, Chad, Billy, Chad, sorry. Billy's just hanging Billy Reston is just yeah. hanging out in the living room still. Yeah, but I think it's, yeah, it's like the third day. And uh, everyone is asleep. Um, Karen and Reston are basically asleep in the uh, the living room outside the door. Yeah. And then, uh, kind of without warning, Navidson just comes through. Yeah. And he and he finds Karen asleep, and he kind of like tries to gently wake yeah. her. Um, yeah. This is five oh nine a.m. They 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 he uh, Danielewski timestamps this, so we're we're grounded in the time of day when he wakes her. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and I think so. That part that I read about uh, Navidson, like what got him home, was like thinking about Karen and the kids. Yeah, I found like a very and then this reunion. It, it uh, for a book that is a postmodern metafictional horror haunted house novel. Yeah, I found this like very emotionally moving and beautiful. Yeah, um, because it's like trapped even within this cursed object and this haunted house is 
uh sort of a tragic love story yeah it's um, oh so, yeah absolutely yeah do, and do then you, you know do you have the, the, the part like right before uh he emerges from the hallway uh she's kind of like ta- thinking about uh you know thinking about him very clearly she, she's leaving uh you know with the kids getting them out of there because I, the one of the notes I made was like it, it's pretty important to distinguish here between like her needing him to be alive and like yeah. but no longer like depending on him to like exist like moving forward like mm. she, like there's like a like a I don't want to say a severing but she is like this whole ordeal has showed her so, in a, in a way that like she doesn't like need him to function. Like I think maybe before she kind of felt like she did, and now she's almost like there's like this uh, something in the text uh, that get that that shows us, you know, she she needs him, but she needs him to be alive, not no longer to you know uh, make it so she can like move on uh, and just you right. know be a functioning person, which I thought was uh, interesting. I think it's on page maybe three twenty two. I said C footnote two uh, footnote two seventy two on page three twenty two, but I I put my book down a second ago and I I have. Somehow lost it within okay. five yeah. feet of myself. So, uh, so this, I, I found it. It's um, it's actually from the page before uh, the one that I just read from. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a quote from Anita Messine's Dialects of Divorce in American Film in the 20th Century, which may or may not be a real book. Yeah. But uh, this Anita Messine is talking about Karen's reunification with Navidson where they embrace. She says... Her initial embrace and happiness is not just about Navidson's return. Karen realizes she has fulfilled her end of the bargain. Her time in that place has come to an end. Navidson's arrival means she, means she can leave. Um, yeah. And so you get there basically three academics talking about this moment when they come together and kind of a, yeah, it's sort of some projections happening more in some than in others. I yeah. Think. Yeah. But, uh, it's a, it's, it's clinical, but the, but the projection of the, uh, the, uh, the academic like comes through, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I think that one is like the most successful. Yeah. Like the, the least projection and the most, uh, that's why I think I wrote that one down because like, I felt it was like empowering Karen, uh, in a way that it feels like she probably is, you know, but from this experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's some, so basically after the reunification uh tom and navidson have sort of a a nice brotherly uh you know welcome as well right and you know navidson has basically just he's haggard he's tired he's dehydrated he hasn't eaten anything in days days um yeah he he did find so the reason we have holloway's tapes too is he found those on the steps yeah just like it's like why were they on the steps it's almost yeah it's almost like the house put them there and like the house doesn't well i mean maybe i don't know maybe the beast and the house are like the same one in the same like maybe the the reconfiguring uh of the shape of the interior put it there on the step but it doesn't matter because he found it like that's (laughs) that's the only thing that matters he found the tape yeah and so uh they close the door and tom sort of ceremonially gives the four keys to karen and she locks each one yeah and they kind of take this as you know kind of like a moment when she takes control yeah again yeah which of she her life she has not had uh for a long time yeah yeah um and then uh tom also barricades the door with like a bunch of furniture yeah and they begin packing up again and navidson doesn't realize that karen's still planning to leave him right yeah no that's like, not it has not occurred to him yeah she's not just leaving the house 
she's leaving him and the house. Whereas right. Navidson thinks that they're just leaving the house. He's like, yeah, you can just go to yeah, like go a, to a motel. You know, yeah. And uh, she doesn't dissuade him from that. But um, then they hear. Um, well, Karen goes upstairs. She's in like the bedroom packing. And oh, then, right, right, right. And then there's like uh, uh, the, 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 for, they hear like sound like uh, like uh, the, like louder than it's ever been, like the growling and like the reconfiguring sound or the beast sound, uh, you know, like coming and coming and coming. And then all of a sudden it stops like it was coming toward the door yeah. behind the door and then it stops. And then. Yeah. And the, 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 the barricade of furniture is also like shaking. Yeah. So that's, that's what rest, that's what Reston sees. Yes. He's like, Navidson, uh... he, yeah. Navidson hears Karen scream. And even though he's, you know, haggard and without sleep and without rest or anything like that, he sprints from the car where he, that he's been packing up with stuff, yeah. you know, their belongings and sprints back into the house. And he finds Karen in the room is basically falling down. Yeah, it's col- the, the, the house is col- collapsing like the, in on itself. It's like yeah, imploding, but a little slower than an implosion. Yeah, and so he grabs Karen, kind of like the way I pictured it is like you know he, he almost like threw her over his shoulder. Yeah, I was picturing it. It, it had to be sudden, like because he there's not a lot of time. Like I think uh, like the bed is sheared in half. Uh, yeah, in, at one point here. Oh wait, she. Oh, we forgot a, a huge part. She, she, the the member of the room in their bedroom, that mysterious room. She like ducks in there to avoid the collapsing at first, and that's yeah. that's where he pulls her out of because she's like, yeah. Uh, as a and, survival uh, instinct, she jumped in the place that she couldn't even go to when it was like her kid was in danger, and she jumps in there. Yeah, and remember that passage is between her room and the kids' room. Yeah, and they describe it as like you know almost like she puts herself between the house and Daisy because Daisy's in. Her room oh yeah um but uh uh now doesn't know that so he runs up grabs karen throws her over her shoulder or something and while they're running out of that room the doorway collapses so so suddenly and so like quickly that it uh you know it basically damages navitson's shoulder yeah, and knocks hit, karen unconscious yep, it hit her in the head but his sounds like his shoulder took the brunt of it like she's unconscious and he's just yeah. his shoulder is messed up yeah, and so he runs out of the house, bring uh, puts her in the car, um, and then he tries to run back in to get Daisy because I think he hears Daisy scream next. Mm-hmm. And while he's running up the stairs, the stairs sort of like, to me, it sounds like they, they basically become like a slide. Yeah, like uh, we've seen this in tons of movies. This sounds like something I feel like it was in Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, sliding down, sliding down the stairs. Yeah, and Reston is in the living room still and the the ground beneath the floor drops like seven feet yeah or be, sorry beneath the door yeah so the the door is locked and barricaded but now the floor is just basically sinking deep into the earth and you know he, he is a uh, paraplegic yeah yeah he so he's like cl- and his wheelchair is damaged his, it's damaged if you're if you remember from uh from their journey yeah. down like uh my thought was because remember how they like they it said they like made like you know the stretchers and stuff out of parts of it. I wonder if they like took it kind of apart and then put it back together, or if it was damaged in another way and they just it just didn't go back together the way that it originally was when they when they had taken it apart. Yeah, my assumption was threefold: is like one that they used parts from it to make the gurneys. Yeah. Two is that it started to dissolve like everything oh, yeah, else yeah, down yeah, there, yeah. and three is like you know when he's uh being roped back up there. Yeah. It just like I just kind of pictured. It oh, being like you know yeah, thrown them, into the ceiling basically yeah them both landing awkwardly 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's yeah. That makes sense. I was gonna say because uh, he just notes that he can't go very fast uh, when stuff starts going down. Yeah, but he's also like you know even if he his wheelchair had been fine, it's like the floor has become a slide. Yeah. And wheelchairs use wheels. Yeah. Um, so he's clinging for life. Navitson sort of does like this uh, Tarzan move to swing himself from the door to Reston. And in doing so, like the door falls off its hinges and into the pit, which is just blackness. And he grabs Reston and they both escape the house. But while they're outside the house... uh, Oh, and Reston even notes that uh, his his shoulder's all jacked. He's like, I don't know how he did it with his messed up shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like real uh, uh, important, it seems like, that Daniel Lewski and or Reston wanted us to know about how bad his shoulder really was. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, the shoulder, he hasn't rested or eaten in days. He's like, he's just... He's a superhero, man. He's Batman. He just Batmaned right yeah. over there and saved him. Which I think is like, you know, another contrast between him and Holloway. It's almost like this part of the book is uh, S- some Zambrano uh, giving uh, him back his masculinity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, so they're outside and um, it occurs to them, but no one says it basically, that, uh, you know, the kids are inside. Yeah. Although Chad, is and Chad then, inside or is it, ju- is it Daisy and Chad or is Chad in there? Did he go back? Chad's and... not inside, but they don't know that. Okay. Like, they don't know where Chad is. Yeah. He's probably just in the woods, like he's been for yeah. most of this chapter. Which which does end up being true. Um, but uh, then they hear breaking glass from the backyard. And Navitson, again, just, like, sprints towards it. Yeah. And um, what he finds there, basically what happened is Tom, when he heard Daisy scream, went up a different way and came down a different way with Daisy. And they're in the kitchen. And... uh. He breaks the glass in the kitchen to basically throw her outside. Yes. Yep. And once he, but Navitson's there. So he, instead of throwing her outside, just hands her to her dad. And then, uh, when he tries to escape, he's basically sucked backwards into the house. Yeah. And when, and like Navit- the more he tries to go forward, the more, like he goes forward one step and the house retreats two steps. Like it's like one, yep. one forward, two back. Yeah. And so Navitson comes into the house, like, trying basically to save his twin brother and then abruptly the ground just disappears and it happens so quickly that uh it says like uh there's not even time for tom to scream yeah and he just falls into blackness yeah didn't something happen to his hands like his fingers or something like oh yeah they got like sheared off or something by by something right before he falls yeah yeah um it's like uh, it it, it kind of describe it. Yeah, it kind of lingers. But it's like his bones. Yeah, it's like he just sees like hit the bones of his hand. Like he was degloved, as the yeah. as the old torture folks used to call it. Uh, but like I can't remember how that happened. But it was like it's weird because it lingered on it for a second and then he falls. It's like it's yeah. happening. It's it's almost like it's literally happening frame by frame, like in a, like in a movie. Like like do, 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 do. it's very. Uh, it's fast, but it's also presented in a way where, where, where time is dilating. Right. Um, and and folding back on itself, because it's kind of like we're getting things from different perspectives. Yeah. And they make a point to show that, like, uh, the description of everything, even this scene that happens, is from Reston, who is in the front yard, mm-hmm. like, by the car. So didn't see it. He only heard about it from uh, Navidson. Yeah, he tells him, and so pe- tells him afterwards. Yeah, and so Zambrano's like, you know, why didn't Navidson just tell us? And, uh, you know, it's an interesting part yeah. of the story as well. I think there, the hypothesis was that mm-hmm. he was too traumatized, like, because, yeah. you know, Tom is just gone. Like, they had just, re- you know, reconciled. They're, you know, probably planning on, you know, being, like, 
brothers to each other again, finally. And uh, as you know, as quick as that happened, then it's all taken away again. Yeah. And uh, so um, Daisy has escaped the house. They still don't know where Chad is. And then basically Reston sees a figure near the trees because it's, it's starting to be like dawn. Yeah. And this figure just starts walking towards them. And uh, at first, you know, eventually he realizes that it's Chad. And Chad just nods at him and gets in the car next to his unconscious mother. Yeah. Like, doesn't even go near the house. Yeah, because he, he, he's been done with that house. He's just, it's no longer, no longer a fixture in his life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that is, <laughs> it took a long time just to describe what happened. Uh, but uh, that is essentially what happens in these pages. Yeah. In broad strokes. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden the house stops doing what it, uh, like, as soon as it got Tom, it's, it was, it's, it was, there was silence. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like what? That. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like, uh, at least we don't know yet. Like what stopped it? Uh, we can hypothesize probably, but like, I mean, it may be just that there's no one in it. Yeah. You know, it's no longer, there's no longer anything to react to. Yeah. Like maybe the house is dormant almost... except for, you know, sentient human beings inside of it. Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, them coming to the house reawakens it. And then, um, you know, their marital dysfunction caused by the awakening of the house basically turns the house into a horror show. Right. The, you know, it's like the house was showing them almost like what their relationship was like, uh, the state of their relationship in a way. All this distance, right. you know, this distance between them that you couldn't right. like physically see. But then it ends up being manifest by the house in these giant spaces. Which is like a feedback loop because the thing that causes the distance is the house itself. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like you could even say that like that initial hallway that forms between the bedroom, bef- between Karen and Navidson's bedroom and the, and uh, Daisy's b- bedroom yeah. is almost like showing their connection to their children. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like here's absolutely. a bridge like to make it easier. For you guys to be together it's almost like the house is doing that yeah but then yeah it's like the more navidson um investigates the uh spatial abnormality of the house and the more obsessed he becomes with it karen becomes more uh you know like distant yeah, from yeah, that distant, kind of... distant withdrawn from mm-hmm. him yeah and uh yeah and so it's like the house causes their the breakdown of their relationship to like accelerate yeah the house is like an amplifier uh yeah uh, of whatever feelings because there was a lot you know the, the, the original hallway is very benign uh yeah and like nothing negative was really happening at the time uh maybe this is sort of like a representational uh like framework for like how anxiety manifests in us sometimes and things like that like like certain mental yeah. things like you know how you can like get yourself all worked up about a thing uh, that may not actually be that bad, but it really feels crushing when you just sit there and think about it long enough. It's almost like the house takes that and amplifies it by a million. Yeah, and there's there's some kind of like discussion of uh, in these chapters of how the house responds to, uh, I guess you could say, sort of like psychological state. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it is a uh, just reading these. Uh, four chapters four chapters yeah i think it was nine yeah, no. ten eleven twelve thirteen five chapters yeah. um no, we, it's uh, did we stop no we stopped yeah we stopped it we read full all the way up to 14 see i'm still getting messed up on this even though i have <laughs> asked you like 17 <laughs> times uh but it is it is a wild ride like th- these are the chapters why i think this book is what it is yeah because it is both uh 
terrifying. Yeah. And weirdly, like I said, like weirdly emotionally resonant at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, I was thinking, you know, I went back and forth in my note here is like, I don't know if like all this evidence, uh, you know, these occurrences, especially toward the end where like everyone can hear the growling and the pounding, you know, whether that's evidence of an actual monster or just the house like reconfiguring. It's like, that's not actually really all that important, whether it's one or the other or both. Um, Because it's like, it's terrifying as it's presented, you know, and and probably more so since we like don't see the physical manifestation of the source of the of the noise it's kind of like i don't know it reminds me of like the movie cloverfield how like mm. that was another found footage uh experiment uh and it was like real good because you didn't see the monster till like what the very very end and i think it worked at its best yeah. like when you like weren't seeing it uh and so um, i mean I, I understand it's another like mystery box uh type of uh trope but um i really think it's done extremely well here yeah, and I think just the way that the text, I mean, it's almost like there's there's feedback loops within feedback loops. You know, the, yeah. the house is reacting to the relationships. The relationship is reacting to the house. Yeah. You know, the house is kind of like driving the wedge between them. Um, and then the text on the page is responding to the story being told on those pages. Right. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is in the Minotaur chapter, chapter 13, mm-hmm. uh, there's a numbering happening yeah. along the left side of pages. Yeah, I noticed that too. I think I, when I was like reading it, I was like, I, I circled it and maybe sent a text to him. Like, is this going to matter? Like, it, it does it? I, I don't know. And <laughs> you, I don't know if I have an answer to, to it yet. I, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, that's not the only thing. Uh, what? Where's the other thing that I noticed? That's like a little. Is it like there's like a red? There's a red something on a page. There's a red something. Hang on. Uh, oh, we, one thing I forgot we forgot was when uh, Karen tells Tom about how the house got rid of all her feng shui items. Oh, yeah. That that was wild. Like, the house... That was, like, the, I guess the first instance of the house acting outside of the hallways, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, uh, it, 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 up until that point, it had not had not done that. Oh, gosh. Where, yeah. did, where did this go? Was it, was it over here? Um, and that's, like, an interesting thing. To, so th- that happens when Tom is in the tunnel they're talking by radio and tom is like well it's probably you know the kids probably just hit it and she's like tom the kids are the ones who told me that these are gone and yeah. they they like they came to me and said why, why did, did you get rid of your like feng shui things yeah like like that like that would be i don't know i don't know what kind of long con a kid would do to hide it and then <laughs> draw attention to it like that yeah but i think like uh this is really the first chapter that i think focuses on the kids and it is uh you know it it hits differently when you're a parent because uh you know i first read this when i was uh 19 or 20 i think Mm -hmm. and how old were you um i was 29 okay it's 29 had you had kids yet no Mm -mm, i didn't have kids so i was 32 so this is still pre-kid okay yeah i was 31 i think when our first kid was born so pretty close um but yeah so because uh, I don't, re- I, I barely even like remembered the kids being in the novel, and even like reading up until chapter thirteen, you kind of forget that they're there. Yeah. But then chapter thirteen, it's like, it really strikes you how harrowing this is, and like, what kind of uh, lifelong damage is being done to Chad and Daisy just by inhabiting this house. Yeah, super, super damage. Yeah, because it's like you know, uh, you know, people talk about how divorce and like marital discord. Uh, is stressful for your children and can you know potentially damage your children in 
psychological ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, imagine that while you're watching your parents have like a, you know, a relationship breakdown, you're also in this like terrifying haunted house. Right. You know, Extre- um, extremely, is- extremely terrifying. And it's, it's the psychological terror. Yeah. And like, yeah, Chad just stops go. he, he won't go in the house. He won't even like go near the house. Yeah. He just stays outside. Because uh, as we know, another trope in literature is uh, kids know when stuff is yeah. off. Like kids know. Yeah. And uh, Daisy just like retreats to her room all the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's something that she does that I feel like is in mirror to something happening inside the tunnel. Um, I think... It's like a hum or something like that. Uh, yeah, it might it might be. Maybe she's her hum her humming is like her representation of hearing like the growling, which would be like really muffled through the walls. Yeah, it could it could be. I feel like that. I can't remember. Maybe I just made that con- that kind of like connection in my head, or but I've, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, in a footnote or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, but this that's the thing that there's so much of this that's open to interpretation that like uh, you know Daniel Lewski's almost set this up to be like. No, your interpretation's like right. Keep go with that. You know, he's like it's very yeah. encouraging you to go with what your uh your instincts are. I found out I found yeah, the it, other thing going you know with the check mark and that we found it was it was uh, under like Lude's sexual conquest list on page 262 to 263. And uh there's like uh like it's almost like a chart and there's this little <laughs> these little y ends inserted like yes like a yes no kind of thing preceding yeah. the text. Uh it's like you know, the text that comes before the YN is a statement. It's not a question. So I'm like, is this a yes, no kind of thing? Like, what is what is it for? And I, I feel like it's going to be like that that check mark where we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. And I, I just wanted to, I just remembered too, sort of, um. we mentioned how like uh, chapter nine, which is the the labyrinth chapter and has like the labyrinth textual formations, um, how the you're kind of bouncing around between pages because of the footnotes, because they're no longer just like leading you in a straight line. Right. Um, something else that happens in that chapter is footnotes keep leading back to each other. Yes. So like there's several footnotes that bring you back to like, uh, you know, footnote like 144 or whatever, yeah. um, which is, you know, it's almost like even the, even within the footnotes is like the maze. Yeah. Because you, you think you're going, you're following a direction out of the maze or, you know, through the maze or whatever. Right. And then you end up back where you started on this tangent. Mm-hmm. You're just like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like uh, the book itself is is the labyrinth, you know, and that's yeah. why, like, I think that it wouldn't it wouldn't translate well to like a like a movie or a, a, a TV show because uh, I don't know, like, I don't know how you'd recreate that labyrinthian feeling of the, the, the way the book is constantly having you go you know like choose your own adventure books this is like yeah like those grown grown up but also uh on acid and <laughs> you know many other uh psychedelic uh mind-altering substances yeah and i mean you know this is kind of a read how you wanted to because like so so we we read the whale's toe uh uh letters already yes but you might not read them until johnny mentions them in one of his digressions in here, mm-hmm. he talks about the letters from his mom. Yeah. And like, even, even we read them at different points. Cause I read it right after chapter five, which is yeah. the first time it tells you to, and you read it after chapter eight. Yeah. Um, 
and like there was uh one of the places um like the pelican poems did you read the pelican poems not yet i've not read the pelican poems yeah i read some of them um and then there was another i think it's appendix b that's just like uh i think it's called like fragments or something like you know basically paraphernalia text yeah um and i didn't I, i haven't read that either yeah i'm gonna go through i mean i'm probably just gonna do it when it suggests that's sort of the way i've been reading it this time yeah well those um, were both already suggested oh i got i totally missed the poems then because yeah. uh yeah. well and because it's it's one of those things where it's just like you know it'll be you'll see a footnote and it'll just say you know see this yeah and see this means uh either you know read these 10 pages in the in the end notes yeah. which like the pelican poems are um i bet you i just, just meant i bet you i saw it and it's like tells you to go to the appendix because i've done this multiple times i did it with the whale toes letters before we talked uh-huh. about it and, and then i went back whereas like i'm gonna go do that and then i forget and i don't go back yeah to do it yeah yeah and i think um like the pelican poems are i read like half of them and they're they're just kind of like odd poems um that one to me it's less clear exactly their connection and then uh, there's a uh, a footnote it's another johnny truant digression where he's talking about natasha yeah with relation to zambrano which we don't know who that is yeah and then it it refers you to uh i think it's appendix b or something like that yeah um and it's it's it seems like another just like list of quotes right um, which a lot of I found that that at least three times now it also directs you to something that does not exist, which is yeah. uh, fun and infuriating. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like this this section had a lot of uh, those holes. Yeah, um, because Johnny kind of talks about um, is it this is it these chapters that we read where it's like uh, one of Zambra- Zambrano's readers, like one of these young women that he has come like help him put this together and read to him. Um, they it was it was the jacob and esau part so that was uh, that was definitely this 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 reading yeah so she she's talking about how like you know they went through and wrote this like huge thing about this analysis of jacob and esau um you know and they're like she was shocked by how much zambrano knew in terms of like you know he could quote like hebrew from memory and things like that and then um at one point she comes back for like one of her visits and it's gone like completely oh yeah and she's and she asks him about it and and he's like he you know he basically says you know he just got rid of it yeah and then she goes to the bathroom and she finds fragments of it yeah he like ripped it up yeah and like presumably like flushed it down the toilet yeah although Um, we but he's blind so yeah we get we get Um, but we get what was left uh what was left was put back in the book yeah and so it's like and so she put it in like a folder at the bottom of this box that now Johnny has. And that's mm-hmm. where he discovered it. And so like that, that also is kind of, I think highlighting the obsessiveness of Johnny because yeah. he's literally finding ripped up scraps of papers and like meticulously putting them back together. Yeah. At the expense of his own sanity and health. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's completely overtaken him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by the end of the last uh johnny digression that we have in these chapters he's living in squalor no money no nothing um he's selling stuff basically just to uh like he sells all of his cds for like 120 dollars or something like that he's like that'll last me a while it's like it will yeah (laughs) i mean this is 1990 so i i guess or 1990 something (laughs) um 
yeah, he uh, he sells a CD player too. Um, I was yeah. I wanted to uh, talk again uh, something that I thought was interesting that I don't know if it matters is when uh, he recalls meeting Ashley in Texas house, not in the state mm-hmm. of Texas, um, is where uh, he said I write I I copied this quote down. He says, "Oh no, where have I gone now?" horror but not horror another kind of dash o-r-r-o dash or both i'm not sure and so then i started thinking of words that could fit that and i got like sorrow and tomorrow and borrow mm. and then i also got the last one i could think of was corrode uh and i thought that was interesting because maybe it's all of them maybe it's none of them uh but it do- he doesn't say uh i yeah. i love the little things like these little uh, nibbles that uh, you know Zampano and J- Johnny give us that uh, that don't go anywhere. Uh, it, it's it's yeah. almost like it's food for thought just to get you in the mode of reading this and thinking. It's like it's teaching you how to think about it while while you're also reading it. Yeah, and that made me think of um, you know part of the interesting character of Johnny is like you know the the book is literally consuming him, but if you t- kind of take a step back and you're like what what is the purpose of all of these footnotes and digressions that he has? And in some ways it's like he's recording his memories of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, he's like, a, his... yeah. And he's a lonely person. I think, I think he's just, I think he's a sad person. Like I just think he's, Oh, for sure. Know, like... He's a sad, very damaged person. But yeah. I think it's, it's almost like, you know, he is re- recording a history of his life because he's losing his life like he's losing everything Mm -hmm. into the book and so like he's also pouring himself into the book um which is you know if the book is also the labyrinth which you know it it kind of is like the book itself is the labyrinth right um it's like he his obsessiveness is losing him everything much as it's losing uh and everything Mm -hmm. but he's also like putting everything into it right yeah so it's like it's like these labyrinths are, they're taking everything you give, but they're not giving you anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're constructed sort of like by you, right. in a sense. Like, it's like, would would this place exist in the way it did without Navidson and Holloway? Yeah, well, without those that combination of people. Like, what would it be like if, you know, your family and my family were in there for a month? Like, what would it, right. what, what, like what, how would it be different? You know, what would it do? Yeah, and it's like, if we think back, it's like, you know... Uh, Navidson, when he first goes in, the Great Hall is, you know, such and such size. But when Holloway goes in, it's way bigger. Yeah. And now it's that we... like his ego is bigger, maybe, you know, like, oh, yeah. my or... my version of the hallway is so much bigger than your version of the hallway. Yeah, and it's... And, or even it's just like, you know, uh, Navidson expected to find nothing in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and he, so did, he like... did find nothing for the most part. Holloway, oh, yeah. Holloway expected to find something and Holloway found something. Yeah, he he, he went in there as an explorer. Yeah. Navidson went in there, you know, drunk at 3 a.m., kind right. of like almost out of spite. Right. And uh, yeah, Holloway goes in as an explorer and he finds something to explore. Yep. Yeah. And it it's kind of like with the stairways. It's like, uh, you know, Holloway wants this to be a grand discovery. Mm-hmm. And when he finds the bottom, it's like, uh, like you said, and like the book kind of points out where it's like, because Navidson knew there was a bottom, the bottom is only a hundred feet down. Yeah. He knows it's like Navidson's like, it's deep, but there's a bottom. And so, you know, a hundred feet would be hard to see in the dark, the bottom of, you know, so like, I don't know. It makes sense. I, one of the things that I think is really good 
is the sense of like certain things that are supposed to be normal being just like a little bit off, you know, like, yeah. like throughout the whole book. Um, there's just certain things that don't seem right. Like, uh, you know, like a simple, very simple one is like when the police are just like, well, I guess someone broke in your house and put it in a closet. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that just seems like a little bit off. Like it's plausible. Uh, and I think that that like keeps you engaged because nothing uh, you suspend your disbelief uh, in concert with what what the expectations of the book are. Right. Like, uh, of right. course, there's no house in the real world that we know of. Uh, with infinite liminal space inside but what if and so if you're willing to go that far um, but you're not going to accept that uh, like the police car was flying and then the guy got out but it was aliens right you see you can't go there right but one of the things that I thought was that's always interesting for me that I have a sensitivity to and whether it's games or books uh, is like if names are not fitting the situation and and here it's not that they don't fit the situation it's just that some of the names that recur are a little bit off uh, and I think I mentioned this to you in like a, a t- uh, like a text, but like there's early in the book, uh, this name just does come back right at the end uh, chapter when Navidson's escaping or when the house is collapsing is Delisle, which oh, yeah. reminds you of Delilah or Delia or the word denial. Um, right. Then there's uh, like Navidson is real close to Davidson. And then I started thinking maybe he's Navidson because like his wife or parent mm. always calls him Navy. And I'm like, Davidson just doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Navidson, you know? And like if his nickname was Navi, I feel like it would be like two V's just from a like a textual perspective. But like these things don't like trip me up like too much because it's like they're off in the same way that like so many like regular things are just like a little bit off. And like I like that. Yeah. But like, uh, oh, I, I the one example that I was going to use, uh, despite the fact that I really like uh, the Ian Esselmont Malzahn books, uh, the fact that like they've got all these like grand character names, but one dude uh, who is the primary focus of Esselmont's first book is just named Kyle. Like that just really th- <laughs> like Kyle, like Kyle, I know Kyle, Kyle Munts, you know, I got a friend yeah. named Kyle McClellan. Like those dudes don't like, why is his name? Like other guys are like Traveler and, you know, you know, Shadow Throne and you know, Carsa Orlong and Kyle. Yeah. Like I'm like, okay, I, I don't know why. It's always been like that for me. Uh, if, if I really don't like names, sometimes it will, make it so i can't play a game or like continue a book uh what do you feel about uh dune and duncan idaho <laughs> i don't i don't like duncan idaho at all <laughs> um i don't like it it's at all So funny to me uh because uh, it's, it's almost an immersion breaking name it is know? for me yes so, it's, such, it's such a silly name yeah it's like so duncan idaho or uh you know kyle and amalazan book because literally no, there is no other like it's not even like game of thrones where it's john or you know like different spellings of like uh or, or similar riffs on oh eddard stark you know most people aren't called eddard mm-hmm. they're called either you know ned uh or they're called like ted uh or yeah. edward uh, like your name <clears throat> yeah uh like so those don't bother me but it would be like putting kyle in game of thrones like it, it, you know for that one right like that, that's a name from you know our lifetime that's where it should be but like these names like delisle uh, you know, Navidson or Navidson, uh, they don't bother me because like it, 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 it's thematically in line with my expectations. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, does, does he mention Delilah before? Is that like the other woman that he had a long-term relationship with before you, Karen? You know, I can't remember. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, for, for the next podcast, we'll, we'll bring, uh, Delisle back up because for some reason when like things are hitting the fan, he thinks of Delisle and he, it's a, it's a, I, I, it's brought to the reader's attention on purpose 
You know, yeah. that's why I, you know, I was thinking about Delisle or when Delisle you know, rushed back to mind, um, you know, and so like I was thinking about all these other words that are very, you know, similar, uh, you know, we talked about lewd and lewd, like, you know, yeah, like dr- the drugs and like, inappropriate content for, <laughs> for youngsters, yeah. uh, which that is a dude who is definitely not appropriate for young audiences. Um, <laughs> but like all this stuff just makes sense to me in the context of this book, uh, there's nothing immersion breaking to me. It's yeah. absolutely believable that the house would uh, collapse. Uh, maybe like their their marriage is collapsing. I don't know. It could be yeah. any number of things because the kids are going to be messed up. The kids are going to need a lot of therapy. Like I'm not like joking around. Like they're going to be traumatized from this. Like the family life that he had before moving to this house is gone. Super gone. Yeah. And Tom is well, like, like literally gone. Yeah. And like for a moment, I was like, I was like, do the kids die? I was yeah. like, man, that is like the darkest fucking thing in this book. And uh Because that's like a thing that I feel like we could have uh probably read and been like, damn, that's messed up uh in our twenties. And now we right. now it's like like you said earlier, it just hits different uh with kids. Yeah. Well you know, it's even like when Daisy goes into the hallway, you're like, Oh fuck. I was panicked. You know? I was panicked this time. I don't remember being panicked the first time. Uh no. kids change everything, man. Yeah. And uh man. Yeah. I mean, this, this section of the book, it is, um, it really is the heart of the novel Yeah. because it's, I mean, it's the heart of the house too. It, it is the labyrinth. Yes. And, um, you know, there's a sense, like you said, it's like, you know, the house is reacting to what's happening and them escaping is maybe it reacting to that, like not wanting them to go. Yeah. Uh, see, I was going to say I'll, that, but then I'm like also thinking like, but does it care? Does it actually care? Or is it, is it only reacting to the vibes the humans right. are giving off in the house exactly and so like that's the other thing is like or is it you know these relationships are collapsing and so but then again i mean navid navidson or navidson and uh and tom seem at their closest at that point and yep. the house is literally ripping them apart forcing them apart yeah I don't know. And then well, just t- swallowing Tom. Okay, so at one point, uh, I didn't write this down. I, I I remember circling it, but I didn't write it down. Uh, someone's like, it, it's like the, uh, I think it might be in the Holloway tapes, maybe, where he's like, it's like you know we're feeding it, or it's you know or whatever, like it, we're sustaining yeah. it, um, you know, because it can't exist without us or something like that. And yeah. so maybe it has gotten to the point where like before it was like this benign thing that just sort of reacted, but maybe it's like becoming more aware the longer they're they're there because it feeds on emotions and experiences so it could also just be that like tom's terror in that moment is like what the house is reacting to yeah you know it's like tom is terrified of the house swallowing him yeah and uh so it does yeah you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like Um, because that because that that could be you know the thing that's running through his head especially like when he grabs daisy and is like running out yeah it's like once he gets her out he's like there's relief but also you know it's like okay yeah. now am i going to be able to get out yeah like that uncertainty uh it's almost right. like the it, it uh ignites uh like a like a, a can of gasoline in a match you know uh because it's very again like yeah. we said it's very quick it's very quick when holloway disappears uh, or is taken it's very quick when the whole yawns open and swallows tom um you know his... too, the, the when they're all outside the house like size yeah it does yeah, like it's like re- it's like coming to a rest uh, almost. Yeah, uh, and I and you know it's implied, well more than just implied, it's understood that uh, 
Navitin comes back later to collect the tapes from the um, that are you know uh, the cameras that are situated around the house. Yeah, and so um, we don't know yet what the house is like when he gets back, but presumably it's different. Yeah, and it's solid enough that he can go collect his tapes. Yeah, and it also is not reacting in a way that allows him to collect his tapes. Like the floor doesn't yawn right. open as soon as he steps in and swallow him too. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to, there's a lot to chew on here at, at all times. <laughs> and I think like even just, you know, the uh the unreliability of reality that's happening in the book. It's like, you know, so um within Zambrano's book and within the world he's constructed with all these uh, you know, primary and secondary sources, there's debate on whether or not the Minotaur is even real. Mhm. There's also debate on, you know, is, are these uh, sort of like digitally manipulated? Right. That section was interesting because uh, I think it was kind of weirdly prescient about what is happening right now. Yeah, with like deep fakes. Like, I think I wrote something on one of the one of my pages about uh, th- that is a problem. If you got a strong, uh, you know, powerful enough AI. I think, well, I, I said this, I think, uh, a long time ago now, like a year and a half ago, maybe even longer, maybe two years ago. Um that I was like, the next election is going to just be a disaster because there's going to be so many deep fakes. Yeah. And uh, even like the the shitty deep fakes that people do as a joke, like, uh, you know, getting like Joe Biden deep fake to like say something like anti-gay or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, like deeply racist or something concerning for his constituents. Yeah. But like something he said that was anti, you know, the deep fake of him saying something anti-gay was used by like a um, Ugandan politician being like see even the u.s agrees with us right yeah and, and, and so it's like there's there's no way to fact check that in real time because as we've seen retractions and news get like what like one tenth of the views that the original mistake gets or something like that it's more like one one one, one millionth yeah, it's like, it's so you know? small it's so small like yeah. you, you, you it's like uh you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube even if the toothpaste is an error uh, yeah and it, well it's also it's like if you're like well if if you if you got Biden to say like, you know, I'm coming for your kids and I'm going to steal them from your house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's certain people when they hear that, they believe it, of course. Right. Um, but then they are predisposed to believe it. Yeah. And then when you say, well, no, that's, that's not true. Like that wasn't something that he actually said. That was, I manipulated that. They'd be like, yeah, but that is something that he thinks. Yeah. And so it's still basic. It might as well be true. And that's dangerous and terrifying. Um, anyway but uh, well what i was gonna yeah. one of the conclusions yeah, no what i was say with the with the with the digital manipulation is i think one they decided they didn't wouldn't have had the money because they had like a special mm-hmm. effects expert chime in and say it would have cost x millions of dollars to do this type of special effect to this degree right. so uh it's very unlikely that this film is uh you know has been manipulated uh, and the high eight is a tape also so like analog i mean that's you know score one for the analog folks uh, harder to manipulate on the fly. Uh, right. Uh, um, but yeah, so they they do the numbers and they're like, it would have cost at least $6 million to do this on like the low end. Yeah. And uh, they have the tax records of everyone involved. And <laughs> yeah, they're like, so they would have They would have fallen $5.5 million short. Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, like, they oh, were okay. thorough. The fact checkers <laughs> were thorough. Uh, yeah. You know, thanks to Snopes.com got them. Uh, yeah. Is, is Snopes still around? Uh, I hope it is. i have no idea probably um but yeah it's uh there's there's just like 
there's there's so much going on in this book yeah and uh, i find the the heart you know these chapters are the heart of the book and the heart of the house but i think they're also like you know the uh, the metaphorical uh emotional heart of the narrative as well yeah because we have that that passage of uh navitson talking about like basically the way he got out was through love yeah um and johnny in one of his deteriorating digressions um basically talks about how the letter from his mom saved his yeah. life at that point when he was being abused by um raymond the yeah. army dude yeah the army dude uh, uh who was his foster which, foster dad at the time yeah and which you if you haven't read the whale tow letters yet um like at this point in the novel you don't know you don't even know who that is right um, yep. and this is like page three, 325 when uh johnny talks about his mom's letters so it's like a ways in yeah yeah and so it's like you know love is kind of creating a tunnel through the tunnel i guess you could say yeah it's 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 like a mechanism to break out of this uh this horror yeah um and the question for johnny at this point in the narrative is like is he i mean even lewd in a sense yeah is like you know lewd is his best and only friend right he's not a he's not doesn't seem like a great guy but he might be a very great friend yeah he does seem like and i think he, that, yeah. that and that's a weird distinction because I think we all have people like that in our lives who like, uh, you know, you'd be like, yeah, that that dude's a dirtbag, but uh, he's also my best friend. Like, yeah. I can rely on him for anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, and, we've all known, you know, people like that at certain points uh, in our lives. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that Lude gives him a lighter. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. He, he's not like... A source uh, of light his, in the darkness. He doesn't just, like, try to drag him out. Well, yeah, it's a source of light, but it's also, you know, what, is, what does Navidson have that he's obsessed with? just a bunch of paper yeah you know yeah. it's like you just he could torch it he could yeah. put it in that box and torch the whole thing i think thing that's well i mean lude does tell him get rid of it get rid of it johnny it's killing you yeah like you know yeah. i think maybe he, that is what he's telling him to do but he wants to also be a supportive good friend so he doesn't want to tell him tell him but give him the means yeah well i think that that's kind of what i mean is like he gives him because he doesn't just like say like throw it away he gives him a lighter like burn it up make make it gone mm -hmm. you know like don't put it somewhere that like just out of your life like destroy annihilate it right you know <laughs> like, yeah um and yeah will uh and there's these other people in johnny's life who do care about him right to some extent like even thumper is like johnny you are looking rough like you yeah. need some help well do you remember like, how like at the beginning uh of the book johnny wanted to kill his boss uh, but then Johnny yeah. actually realizes when he's kind of going through that anxiety fit or maybe a little sooner that like, he's like, my boss is actually a pretty good dude. Like he's like, yeah, I think he actually cares about me as like a person. Uh, it's like a revelation for him. He, I, I think it's cause Johnny's so used to people taking advantage of him and abusing him and letting him down yeah. that like he keeps everyone at arm's length for as long as he can. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously for Navidson, we know uh, from I think chapter five or six that uh, he's left with nothing. Right. Yeah. Just you know, the his tapes. family's gone. He's got the tapes. That's yep. it. And that's like, cause when he realizes that um, Karen kissed wax in the, uh, in the kitchen mm -hmm. while he was in the other room. Yeah. Before the, adve like, the adventure. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't even hurt anymore. Cause he's like, you know, I've, I, I already lost everything. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's is... just a thing that happened. Yeah. 
It's like it's like even if that had not have happened, it's not like it would have changed anything. Right. Yeah. Like because uh, you know, he of... still would have gone into the into the tunnel and yep. all this stuff. So. Yeah. I. I. Uh, the one thing I want to consider too is I haven't read it in a while, but I'd like to uh, think about this uh, staircase and tunnel uh, in the in a sort of like hold it in my head at the same time with like Jeff Vandermeer's uh, tunnel mm. slash tower from Annihilation book. Uh, that yeah. also became a movie that was uh, very successful. Uh, I like that series, uh, the Area X. I don't like, I don't like the series, but I I do like the first book. Yeah, I like the I like the first book a lot. Um, I think it becomes worse with each subsequent book. But... Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I I agree with that, but I still liked it overall. Like I came I came away positive mm. on it. But uh, I mean that could be another thing we do someday after Malazan. Yeah. But um, uh, I, it's it's interesting how humans have this fear of deep staircases that go into the darkness uh yeah i mean it's not i guess it's not weird uh i mean it's obvious like if i saw a staircase that i couldn't see the bottom of that's that's scary uh and uh i think these two books handled those that phenomenon pretty good um but anyway yeah i mean i don't have a whole lot else to say uh on this part uh you know a lot of a lot of stuff to chew on and it feels kind of like despite the fact that we still have kind of a third of the book left that we uh, it's probably more like a quarter when you factor out the stuff we've read in the back yeah um you know uh it feels like the end <laughs> if that makes sense it feels it like uh and, and so that's another thing to sort of like hold in the back of our mind is like have did we reach the end of the book but then keep going uh you know what i mean if I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see we'll have to see where we go because I I found so many things that like I had forgotten, and then or misremembered, uh, you know, uh, from the first mm-hmm. time I read it, that um, some of the stuff is like genuinely surprising when I get to it. So it's really it's been a very fun experience so far. Yeah, yeah. This book, man, it is. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting where we go next. Uh, we do have a poem that is one of my favorite poems of all time. Uh, which is funny that it's in this book. Yeah. Read it. Or, is it, or uh, is it long? Uh, it's not very long, but we haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, okay. Save it. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it next time. Let's get it in there. But I, I, I read it at my best friend's wedding is uh, how good it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's 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 the stuff. I'm uh, I'm ready for that. I'm going to tell me when we get done which one it is and I'll go I'll go check it. Because, I mean, obviously, I've read the book before. So I don't I'm just. Yeah, I, I actually think it's at the very end but cool. yeah we'll find it we'll, yeah. we'll we'll stumble into it in the dark we will as we have done so far with with all of this uh yeah it's, this is a very food for thought book um highly recommend you check it out uh i don't even think that spoiling it spoils it because it's so good to experience on your own i think yeah and i mean like the book kind of spoils itself early on like, right like i said um you know way before this point in the book like uh 250 pages before maybe even 300 pages before where we are right now they tell you that navidson ends up alone yeah yeah and like you also knew that you know that he survived because he compiled the film itself yeah the the navidson records existence or not uh depending on who you believe in the uh the preface and whatnot uh its existence shows that he survived and made it yeah together and like he yeah, he edited it. Like, it's known that he edited it. So he could only edit it if he was around afterwards. Yep. And so, like, even when he's at... Even though you know that, when he's at the bottom of the bottomless stairway, you you do feel that terror. And yeah. you're like... And it's almost like you you force away the thing that you know, and you're like, oh, there's no way for him to, like, get out of there. Yeah, because they've set up a physical improbability, which doesn't 
matter uh, in liminal space. Uh, yeah, it's not even improbable; it's impossible. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's not. It's, you can't. The, the hallway is only ten feet deep now. Yeah, yeah. You can't like. Yeah, like. I don't know, yeah. man. It's so and, good. Yeah. Oh, but well, in, yeah, I guess um, we can. We can. Yeah, we'll 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 be back. Uh, we're gonna do this one. We do have the limbo and inside episode coming up soon. I don't know if that will be next or if the third part of this will be next. Uh, but be looking out for it soon. One of them, yeah. both of them. I think we'll let's just finish this one. Yeah, we could do that because I mean, we can. Uh, anytime Rick's available to record, we'll get that. Uh, well, and we. I'm not done with limbo. No, yeah. I'm not done with inside. I finished limbo. Not done with inside. Um. So as soon as I'm doing that and uh, get Rick on the horn, we'll get uh, get going on that and then post it right after the third, yeah. right after the third one. Hell dad, yeah, Dad, Dad Pod Gamecast going hard in 2024 already. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, we're at the two hour mark. Edward, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at radicaledward.substack.com, and I am always at uh, Joe M Owens at uh, the Twitter uh, slash X dot com. Um, yeah, until next time, uh, we will, uh, we, we, we will be here. We'll be here on your, on your airwaves, uh, which are not really waves, but you know, <laughs> or at least airwaves. Whatever. Yeah. We'll be there. We'll be there in two weeks. All right. See ya. <laughs>